0: Welcome to His Way Women's Bible Study with Linda Anderson. His Way Ministries is an interdenominational ministry established and committed to helping you experience a dynamic relationship with God. Well, I wish every single woman in Nevada was here tonight, and California, and Utah, and Arizona, and New York, and (laughs) because... This message that Pastor Tom Anderson, my husband, will bring tonight is going to bring change into our lives. I'm expecting a new, fresh wind through this message tonight. I just, do you want to come up, Tom? Yeah, come on up. Would you stand and welcome him? Yeah. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Hi. <laughs> I just want to, in the way of credentials, I could tell you so many amazing yeah, things oh. about Tom. <laughs> I could tell you about his degree in biology or his degree in chemistry or the one in divinity or what was your doctorate Economic. in? F- oh, your, Oh, yeah, your BA in economics <laughs> or your... The yeah, the I could tell you those things. Philosophy ministry. Philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But the greatest credential that I can talk about is the woman he's I
1: married. <laughs> 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 That's the greatest credential that I have. So.
0: Is that he is a he's a straight arrow. He's the same at church as he is at home. And he's a great dad, a fantastic grandpa, and the most amazing husband in the whole world. (laughs) So without further ado, welcome Pastor Tom Anderson. I am glad
1: to be here. Well, good evening, ladies, and you can have a seat. And let me reintroduce myself. My name is Chris Vallotton, and... uh, (laughs) And my immune system is good, it is fine, it is filled with the Holy Spirit, solidified on the Word of God, and uh, I'm encouraged tonight because I know what I'm sharing with you is right from God's heart. It's uh, not the most unanimous uh, thought around the nation, but I believe depth of my heart that it's right from God's heart, and it's a real joy tonight, a real privilege to be with you, and Linda asked me, I said, really, you want me to come and speak, and she said, "Yeah." Yeah, that's what I did. I, yeah, really? And so I went to my library, and I have a lot of books for all the speakings I do, and I pulled out the book for this one, and it's How to Speak to Women for Dummies. So I, I was looking through that, and so I think I've got someone on target, but I'm not sure. Let's pray together. Father, we just welcome you. Holy Spirit, just come and do something in us we can't do for ourselves. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, I want you to go home tonight and think that, this was not a mistake to be here tonight. I want you to go home thinking that this was really something that uh, God would speak to your heart and, and just change your heart, and if it's any different. Uh, I, five years ago, spoke at uh, Linda's uh, His Way Extravaganza, and I brought a message on uh, the destiny of women. I, I brought a message on, I guess you would call it, the original woman's liberation movement started by Jesus Christ. And uh, she asked me if I would repeat that, and so I was listening to podcasts uh, here recently, and and happened to be Chris Valatin, but I think he copied my message five years <laughs> ago, and he's now recycling it at Bethel, but it was nice to get refreshing on that too. But here's what I really believe, and here's what I've, I've really tried to live in my life, is that I am really a strong supporter of women. I'm a strong supporter of uh, how God has made them and who they are and what they bring to the table, what they bring to the family, what they bring to the church. I believe women have a unique uh, destiny and unique giftings that men do not have. And we need both the patriarchs and the matriarchs in in society today to, to make God's kingdom just thrive and go. And so I'm just glad that she asked me to speak on this. I'm happy to do it. I hope it encourages your heart. You know, when I read the Bible, the, the, what I understand from the very beginning when I read the Word is that God had a plan for mankind, for both man and woman. He, he wasn't just a, a plan for man to rule and reign. It was a plan for men and women to, to reign together. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus came to set at liberty those who were oppressed. Now, when you got to think back through this, because we don't ever stop and think, who are the oppressed? Well, let me just help you a little bit with that. There was no people group back around 2,000 years ago. There were no African Americans. There were no Asians. There were no Latinos. So who, who, who is the oppressed group that Jesus came to deliver and set at liberty and set free? Well, I believe clearly the oppressed groups of the time mainly were women and certainly some slaves. But, but I believe that Jesus came to set free women from a bondage that had been put upon them and bring them into a new dimension <laughs> Of liberty, and as a man, I just got to tell you, uh, it, I just think it's my role to protect women. I think it's your role to protect women too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think we're in this together, you know. Not putting women down, not bashing women, but but building women up. And I I know I'm older, so that makes me a little old-fashioned. But I believe if you're walking someplace, that a man should open the door for a woman. <laughs> I believe a man should help a lady get in a chair, help her get out of a chair. I believe a man should. Uh, prefer a woman and walking, and it kind of sads my heart to see the man walking, the woman's walking 10 feet behind. I, I just don't think that's how it was supposed to be, but, but I think that part of my role as pastoring of this church is to, to equip both the men and the women, and that's just really wanna, what I, really, really I want to do, and when Jesus came, I think he wanted to open a door uh, to, to set women free from a bondage they were under, and sadly, still 2,000 years later, this is a benchmark that we've yet to got to break through in society. But I've got this dream, and I've got this vision that it's coming, and when it fully hits, the full dimension of God's spirit and grace that He wants to do on the face of the earth is going to happen, because everybody's going to be engaged in proclaiming the gospel for the goodness of God. You know, you, you go back to the beginning, and, and you see that God created uh, Adam and Eve in, in, in the garden, and uh, that might have been kind of cool to be the original man and woman, do you think? And God says, hey, have fun, run around, don't wear clothes, eat whatever you want, just just, 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 just have a good time. I, May, may, may that have been a good thing, but, uh, but the Bible says clearly that God created male and female in the image of God. You can read that in your Bible. In the image of God, He created both male and female. So it takes a male and it takes a female to totally represent the full nature of God and who He is. And I hope this doesn't rock your theology too much, but, but God really is in nature both male and female, and that's how He created. His nature in a man and a woman to be displayed and be represented. And so if you suppress the female, you lose half of the nature of God being demonstrated and working through the face of the earth. And this is why Jesus really came to, to set women free. So, you know, in creation, we read very clearly that Eve came from Adam. Is that right, ladies? Yeah. He, he, he didn't, she didn't come from his head and didn't come from his feet, but she came from his side. Now, you don't have to think too long and too hard about this, that she's not to rule over men, and she's not to be subdued by men, but she's to walk side by side with men. This is how God intended it, and that's in all aspects of life, not just the church and spiritual things. But we can go on and read in there, in Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, and we read the story about uh, God comes to them and goes, Yoo-hoo, kids, where are you? And they go, oh, we're hiding. What are you hiding for? <laughs> we're naked. Well, how did you know you were naked? Well, it kind of came out that the devil, the snake, the serpent, got this to the woman and everything else. But as you read this, uh, God says to the serpent, because you did this, because you did this, and by the way, I tell the men that uh, you don't get off here. Just because the woman was deceived by the devil, man just gave in to whatever was going on there. We have a full responsibility of working in this. But he, he, he said to the enemy, the, the Satan, he said, because you did this, from now on I'm putting an enmity between you and the woman. Now, the word enmity is very strong. It actually means a hatred. Women are going to hate you. They're going to Down the road, you know, you might bruise them, but they're going to crush you. And the and, and enemy are going to hate you. That means women, they, women are just going to hate what the enemy did, and they're going to teach their children to hate the enemy. And, and so when, when God declared this, there was something set up that in cultures that we had to, the enemy had to suppress women unless they were set free and set loose to really reign alongside men and really declare the greatness and the goodness of God. And so do you ever wonder why in most cultures they find a way to reduce the role of women, uh, to put men over women uh, very strongly and everything? I think it's from this thing here that this spiritual force is working to just deny women the rightful place alongside of men. So I would like to suggest that if women ever get to their rightful place with men side by side, The devil will be in great distress because she will have a platform to display the rightful anger that she has for what happened there in the Garden of Eden. There's something in the DNA of women. I'm still trying to figure it all out. (laughs) But there's something in the DNA of women. And and for example, uh, if if Linda and I were traveling someplace and we said, I want to meet with all the intercessors of the church. Do you know who would show up? About 80% of them would be women. Yeah. If I would say, okay, that's great. Now I want to get all the prophetic people, all the prophetic people. you know about 80% of them are women? Yep. Now, does this mean that the women are more spiritual? No, no, I'm saying this. That God did something in women uh, to get them after the devil's works. And uh, yeah. the enemy knows that if women ever get their rightful place, he's in trouble. Because women carry a certain DNA. And this DNA is, I hate you, devil, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get after you. And so, so we know that women have been uh, suppressed. And, you know, as we move forward in, in Scripture, we, we get to the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew in a very interesting season of time. There are 400 years between uh, Malachi and Matthew and the coming of Christ. And in these 400 years, some very interesting things happened. And One of the things that happened, the religion of Judaism really got its blossom and came forth. Now you might think, well, wasn't Judaism back to the beginning of time? Well, if you study your Bible, you realize that Judaism is full of Pharisees and scribes. In the Old Testament, there's no Pharisees and scribes. But during this 400-year period, these Pharisees and scribes, I think fueled by the enemy, decided to form and make laws to put under Judaism. And what I mean by that is that they had the ability to write it all out and say, this is what it's going to be. But ladies, in Malachi, before we got into Matthew, there were only 200 laws. By the time we got into Matthew, these Pharisees now had 617 laws that they manufactured, manufactured by men only. Now listen carefully. 100 of those laws were against women. 100 of those laws were to put women down, put them in their so-called places men thought they would, and reign over them. And I think the bottom line of this is, is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they just, they just hated Hated women, and uh, they just passed these laws against them, and and then and then the women became oppressed, and, and and then Jesus comes, and he he makes it clear that I, I come to in reading as I reading Isaiah, I've come to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and the only oppressed group really there was the women that were under the bondage of all these, shall I say, uh, ill written laws and rules in in the Judaism code and things. So women had no rights, they had no respect, they had no voice. They were the legal property of men. They were afforded no education for the ladies. They were forbidden to speak to a man. And uh, they had to veil their faces whenever they left the home. Uh, they kept the house, but they served at the will of their husband. And if the husband invited some men over for coffee or tea or a ball or bowling or whatever, or for dinner or whatever, it was like that, the women had to go eat in a separate room. They were not allowed to eat with a man, period. Only their husband... And their children, where they were allowed to eat with. And so they, they were just treated uh, just really horribly under, under this law. The father arranged the marriages for them. So, young ladies, you don't get to marry the man of your dreams. You get to marry the man your father says that you're going to marry. And, and Jewish women could not vote. And, and, and one thing, they could not divorce their husbands. The husbands could divorce them, but they couldn't divorce their husbands. They could never get out of a marriage if their husband didn't boot them out. I'm not, a, I'm not for women getting out of marriage. <laughs> i for getting into marriage. But, but a woman could not be a witness in a court. Women were relegated to the outer court of the temple. You come to church, it's like you get the corner parking lot out there. You ladies can gather around there and have a good time together. But Jesus comes on the scene, and in the fullness of God's time and God's heart, He comes on the scene, and He comes to set, I believe, women free. I believe He's come to set the oppressed free and work toward bringing equality back, to men and women, side by side as they were created. Women could not teach at all. Uh, they were oppressed. And, and this, God from God's heart, I'm sure he says, is not what I intended. Let me give you some examples of scriptures that might help you. I love the story of Martha and Mary. And I'll, I'll get back to that again. But, you know, it's illegal for a man to teach a woman the Torah in this time, to teach the scriptures. I'd be in a whole lot of hot water right now. I'd really be in deep, deep something if, if we were living in those times. I was just not allowed to do that. and uh, But Jesus comes on the scene, and, and what does he do? He begins to teach women. This is such an affront to the cultures. It's such an affront to the religion, to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. He's doing what is forbidden by the law. He's caring for women, and he's teaching them. No wonder he had a run-in all the time with all the religious leaders. Would you agree? He was just changing it. We read about the five thousand on the Mount of Olives if you read carefully there were five thousand there plus men and women the writer wasn't telling you that there were five thousand men but that, that for the first time there were women that were being taught by a prophet the word of God the scripture it's just so revolutionary and this is what Jesus did he just he was doing it illegally he was doing it wrong by the, by the authorities, yet the women came by the thousands to hear this man speak. And it never was done before. And those, all that time, 400 years, women were not allowed to receive any teaching of anything. But Jesus comes, and they're just flocking to see him. Women were in the crowd, and Jesus taught them, and he was always contrary to the Pharisees. Martha and Mary, uh, I love their story. You know that, And uh, Martha is, uh, Jesus is coming to the house, and and, and she's all excited, of course. She's in the kitchen working. Jesus shows up, and he begins to teach. Well, Mary, her role should be where, ladies? In the kitchen te- working. She's not to be at, at the prophet's feet. So she's, she's, she's at Jesus' feet. So Martha's getting a little indignant, a little stirred up, and she goes in there, and she says, Jesus, I'm in the kitchen by myself cooking. Mary is sitting here at your feet, which is morally wrong, ethically wrong, spiritually wrong, culturally wrong. A woman cannot sit and hear a man speak to her the things of God, the things of word. And so she says, Tell my sister to get her act together. I kind of like Jesus' response. He goes, Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> Mary's chosen a better thing. That would be me. Martha, why don't you put your pots down? It's time for you to chill out. It's in the Bible. Read it. Chill out. <laughs> And come and sit at my feet and let me teach you also. Unheard of. This didn't happen. This was all new. The Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus was teaching women right in the face of the culture and the time. And that's why we know that he was sent to set the women free because he loved them and helped them. Matthew chapter 11, we read about Lazarus being sick. And we read in a story, Jesus talking with his disciples, and they said, we've got to go over here. Why we got to go over there? Because Lazarus is... Uh, is sick and I need to go over and fix him up. And, and they said, well, if he, if he's sick unto death, he's going to die anyhow. And Jesus said, well, we're going to, we're going to go over and he's not really dead. He's just laying asleep sick. Well, Lazarus goes ahead and dies. And cause Jesus doesn't, <laughs> Jesus doesn't come right away. Uh, do you think Jesus knew Lazarus was going to die? That he had something in store for this. So, so disciples get there two or three days late and, and Martha runs out. The Bible says she runs out to meet Jesus, a couple of miles to get him. And, and she says to Jesus, she says, you know, if you would have just come, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and they had this conversation about, do you believe? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of used to believe. No, 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 do you believe? I'm the resurrection and the life. Well, yeah, I, I have believed that, but my brother's dead. And I say, if you believe that, you'll see your brother rise again. Yeah, I know at the resurrection he will rise. And you say, no, 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 just just hang with me. So Martha immediately runs and sells Mary and everybody else. Here's what she tells him. The teacher is coming. Not master, not savior, not Lord, but the teacher is coming. And so Jesus obviously was teaching Martha. Now, if God himself was teaching women, he had a purpose behind that. Would you agree? Yes. And not for them to be subdued and say you can't teach, you can't preach, you can't move, you can't groove. He had a purpose for women that I think I'm going to try to bring out here. So, so we go on and we see that he calls him teacher. We, read it, we hear the story about the Samaritan lady at the well. Another one of my favorite stories. Jesus looks at her and says, you know, I'm thirsty, give me some water, and she goes, well, well who are you, a, a Jew, to be talking to me, a Samaritan woman, because this is off limits, this is wrong, men don't talk to women, it's illegal, it's, it's against the law, not culturally, and Jesus, said, you know, if you only knew, if you only knew who was talking to you now, yeah, you know, I'd give, I'd give you living water, you never thirst again, she goes, are you greater than Jacob, who built this well, well, kind of, yeah, yeah, I am, and yeah, I, I'm God, and And she started talking to him, and Jesus tells her, he says, you know, uh," Jesus says, why don't you uh, go and get your husband, and why don't you uh, come back here? And to the woman's credit, she was very, very upfront. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus looked at her and said, you've spoken truly. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with is not your husband. Ladies, I want you to catch this. Jesus was not condemning her because she can't divorce the husband. Five times the husband had divorced her and kicked her out. He was identifying with her hurt, that he wanted to give her life and water and a new, a new life, the heart of God, the purpose of God. So she gets all excited, and, and you know, she runs in the village, and, and I really like it because she becomes the first evangelist we find in the Scripture, and she's an evangelist proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? A woman proclaiming and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hey, it's the Messiah. Hey, he's here. He's told me everything. Could this be the one? And... That's totally taboo, a woman speaking anything about Scripture. So they all come out, and they hear Jesus, and such a great story. They, they all, the whole village almost is saved, and they believed in Jesus Christ. The, the lady was out of her place in the law's eyes, but in the right place in God's eyes. God had destined to use her to proclaim salvation to this village of Samaria. This is kind of crazy, huh? Women preaching, women teaching, women getting taught, shaking things up. See, it's just like Jesus to to upset the traditions of man. Yeah. Jesus came to set in motion the healing God had promised when Adam and Eve shared that tragedy in the garden. He came to end painful consequences of a broken and sinful world, including the rift between men and women. Jesus came to set men and women free, but because of the terrible exclusion that women had suffered. His open welcome meant even more to the women. Women had been offered so little in the hostile world that they were living in. In the words of one author, Jesus did not start a movement for women, but a movement for humans. And I really like that. It's not surprising, however, that women were especially responsive to his ideas. Trapped in isolation, sometimes hostile family. Women knew how unjust and insecure and lonely there was. And look, catch here, Jesus' mission was not gender biased. It was gender inclusive. God the Father said that all the Father gives me, I'm going to give to anybody that comes. I'll not drive them away. So not surprisingly, there's no wonder that the women were the first at the cradle and last at the cross. They'd never known a man like this. They'd never been another. The prophet and teacher was there and never nagged at them, never flattered them, never coaxed them, never patronized them, never made jokes about them, never treated them like the, the women. God help us, never heard this kind of stuff, or the ladies, God bless them. He rebuked and he praised without condescension. He took their questions seriously. He engaged, he answered. He never mapped out a spear for them and told them that that this and that or their levels of where they could fit in society. He never urged them to be feminine or jeered them for being female. He had no ax to grind, no uneasy male dignity, dignity to defend. He took them as he found them, Completely as they were, there is no act, no sermon, no parable in the entire gospel that borrows an idea of the pungency from female perversity. Nobody could possibly guess from the words and deeds of Jesus that anything was funnier except for from God's heart, he believed that women had a rightful place right alongside them of men. Am I I boring you? Are you okay? Everybody all right? Uh, You're valuable in God's eyes. I want you to get that, Okay. Jesus' ministry actually uh, revolutionized the lives of women. He was totally different. He treated them so different. In Jesus, there was no double standard. There was no exclusion, no limits on their God-given destiny. Jesus brought an equality back to women. And Jesus made man and woman equal in marriage. When the woman touched Jesus' cloak and was healed of the issue of blood, first off, she's out of place. She can't be outside. She should be yelling unclean. She sneaks up to Jesus, touches Jesus. She thinks she steals a miracle. Let me help you. You don't steal a miracle from God. When power goes out of God to you, he knows it. You know what I mean? So he turns and looks at her and goes, woman. She goes, I'm healed. I'm healed. And he, she says, well, why don't you tell me what happened here? He's talking to a woman who's unclean in public, having her declare the greatness of God healing her. Do you see what Jesus was doing all the time? And then he did something pretty amazing. He said, should I not do this for a daughter of Abraham? First time in Scripture it's declared. First time ever. It was always the sons of Abraham. But he brought her right to equal with all the men as a daughter of Abraham. This is God's heart for women. He sees you as equal, and you are equal with men. Just really amazing. There were women in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell. Jesus trusted women with ministry. He trusted a woman to birth them, so I guess he had some <laughs> affinity you know, toward women to begin with. He, he commissioned women to... Uh, to carry the first proclamation of his resurrection. I want you to think about that. It was a woman that he chose to declare his resurrection. He commanded Mary Magdalene to go instead to my brothers and tell them, no higher calling, no higher commission, to preach the gospel was ever given. Go and say that Jesus is alive and for you. There's little wisdom today in inquiring, shall women preach or shall women teach or shall women lead in any role when the leader of our whole movement, Jesus Christ, commissioned these women and sent them forth as an example for us. But um, even here in our region, we, we live in a place where we are criticized and attacked and jumped on at our church because we believe that women have a capability to teach, love, preach, serve, and carry the gospel of Christ. We do, we just, we do that and we support it and believe it. So you're welcome. Well, thank Jesus. On that first Easter morning, when two women came to worship him at the tomb, he told them, "Hey, I'm alive here. You now go and tell everybody else that you see me. I'm alive." How on earth can we question whether or not God trusts women with the gospel to faithfully preach it when he commissioned them with the proclamation of the resurrection? Ladies, go, go tell him alive. Go tell him on target here. And uh, are we more wise? Are we more careful than Jesus was? Jesus didn't merely give him permission. He commanded them to proclaim the good news, to share the good news. The life of Jesus shows us exactly that he saw men and women equal, all mankind equal. I believe that he knew the greatest power that would ever be released in the kingdom of God is that would be released when women took their rightful equal place right alongside men. We're still pressing on in our world to this happen but I'm believing a day is coming. Women are going to be valued and appreciated, and we're going to just hear, may, won't we, you want to pick a job because of sex, you pick it because who's the best qualified person to teach, to preach, to help, and just believe that's coming. I may discourage you, that ladies, you're probably going, oh, what does this all mean to me? Well, what that means to you is that just, just listen to God, and don't worry about making a mistake. Not everybody's called to be a preacher, not everybody's called to be a teacher, but you are called to be an ambassador of Christ in your home and from the world where you're living, and so don't leave it up to the men. We've got to get this job done, and Another great example in Scripture is the Apostle Paul, the one who really heralded, I think, the case of women. Now, you might think, now, Tom, you don't know your Bible real well because Paul's the one who said that women should not teach. They've got to be silent. They've got to submit to the husband. He was the one, really, that hurt women. Well, if these are the verses, only ones you know in all Scripture, then, yeah, I understand why you have that opinion. I understand why you feel that way, if that's all you know in the Bible. Let me just tell you this. Most men know these Bible verses really well. And many men use this for their purposes and their advantage, and even in the hierarchy of the church to keep women in their place. Men know this first. Time doesn't allow me tonight to show you and help you understand these verses were directed to certain women and certain cultural issues and certain situations. But if you'd read the rest of the Bible and the rest of Paul's words, you clearly get a picture of how much Paul was pro-women. Listen to some of his words. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. We are all one in Christ. Paul's metaphor in the body, we need every part, every inch, everything to make us all function, relates to women's too. Submit to one another, men to women, women to men, in reverence for Christ. He made a statement also, there's no male or there's no female in the kingdom. All those are in Jesus Christ. Paul said these things. Uh, He said there's no slave and there's no free. We're all equal in Jesus Christ. Paul uh, commended women in Scripture Uh, Paul said there's no favoritism with God. Paul worked with women all the time in his ministries. He ordained them, set them forth, commissioned them, and he trusted certain women with key ministry roles. Paul literally turned the Roman world upside down with his gospel and his teachings, placing value on the role of women as ambassadors to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ and to teach. For 2,000 years now, though, women have been yearning to be revealed and... To use their gifts and minister alongside in so many areas of our nation and churches to advance the gospel. And I, I just say it's about time. It's about time that, that we honor one another and we just love one another and encourage one another and say there's a rightful place for us. And again, not every woman or every man is called to be a pastor. In fact, don't do it unless you're sure God makes you do it. You have to do it, all that kind of stuff, you know. But we're all called to minister in our home. And, and some women have told me through the years and they say something like this, Tom, you really got it wrong because my husband is a spiritual leader and he's the head over our home. And, uh, and I say, well, if he is, that's great. I, I just say, it's great. But, but many women advocate any spiritual teaching and any spiritual responsibility in the home with their families. And they say, the verdict falls on my husband. He's the spiritual head. So if he doesn't do it, he's the one that's going to get judged, not me, because I have no responsibility because he's the head of the home. That sounds a little stupid to me. I'm just, if we're going to work side by side, shouldn't we be carrying this responsibility in the home of helping each other, helping our children? Where do you have family devotions and your husband goes on for 30, 40 minutes? Hope he does. And he does all the praying and you sit there. <laughs> nah, no, God's given you a voice, giving you a heart, giving you spirit, giving you life. And, you know, I, I, I just, you know, if he's ahead, that's great. Is he doing the job is what I want to know, you know. And uh, people say, women well, I'm just not the head, you know. But, you know, if you research the Bible and you read it clearly, what it, what it talks about, you know, the, the thing enable. he's enabled. We'll just read it. The man is to enable the woman. The woman is to enable the man. They're to encourage one another and submit to one another in this relationship. And, ladies, if your husband says, I'm the dog, I'm the big shot, and I hope that many of them are really doing a great job there, if he refuses to lead in any spiritual capacity in your home, who's going to train your children? Who's going to raise your children up if if you advocate what God's done in your life because of this hierarchy order that comes together? Is it making any sense to anybody? Don't worry, Linda's back teaching next week. (laughs) Next month is going to be great. When you realize that you are enabled by Almighty God, you can minister freely. Now, because of my youth, when I married Linda, I was 19, she was 18. I was just a little immature at the time. (laughs) I, I was very busy at the time, working really hard at the time. It was Linda who engaged our children spiritually I helped her, and she led, and we worked together on this. But I'm so glad that she did. That she just didn't say, ah, "I am a woman, I know nothing, I can't read scripture, I can't understand it, I can't teach, I can't love Jesus, I can't help my Jesus with anything." You know? Come on. You see, many single moms lead their homes. Many single dads lead their home, and. And if you're married or want to be married or hope to be married or have been married, uh, you, lead, you lead the family together. Uh, to say it's your husband's full responsibility and you're not responsible, I don't, think that's how, I don't think that's how Eve was created, to be less Sam, but to be side by side, do this thing together. The question is, is, is anybody leading our children into the things of God? Is anybody taking the spiritual role in our community and in our families and our homes and our churches? And uh, I just believe that God has such great things for women to teach, encourage, bless. And ladies, I just want to tell you, it's a great time to be alive. I got a minute and 23 seconds. Here we go. A time of opportunity, a time of fulfillment for ladies. It's a great day to be a woman. The sky is really the limit. The world, the church is ready for change. It needs change. I believe women are gonna be released at able to pursue their giftings and their calling and the gospel of Jesus Christ is gonna be spread like you cannot believe. The enemy is gonna get a bunch of women that hate him after him, because they're gonna be released to say and get after him. It's gonna be amazing and they're praying and prophetic words. Because women like you are gonna step into their destiny, step into their God-given calling, obeying God, fulfilling your destiny. And I just say, Yeah, it's time. It's been too long. The history of women have been held back, but I just think there's a new day coming. And as women step forward under the blessing of God in this church alongside with men doing this together. Like I said, we need patriarchs and matriarchs. Would you agree? We do this thing together. It's amazing. And I guess it's here I want want to say to you, get a scripture, get a word from God, get blessings from all around you, go to God, and engage in the life that God wants you to engage in. Not looking back, not fearful, not afraid, but God, you've done this work in me, you've changed me, you've saved me. I want to bless my children, bless my family. Lady... Ladies, these are the finest days coming up. I believe that for your destiny. Believe God when he speaks to you and say thank you, Jesus, and let God do some amazing things. But I think this is the day and the time when women take their rightful place in the church and society and the homes right alongside men to see some great things accomplished for the kingdom. Amen. Maybe just one more thing, and how do you can come on up if you're closing this? Because I'm not. I don't know how to do that with a bunch of women. <laughs> let, let me just say this: uh, I'm a pastor, and I'm a man, and I'm a granddad, and I'm a dad, and I'm a kid, I'm a grandkid, I'm a preacher, I'm a spiritual leader. I just want to, really, from the bottom of my heart, just stand in the gap and ask you ladies to forgive me for all the men that have hurt you and all the men that have abused you and all the men that have suppressed you and all the men that have put you in a place that God never destined for you to ever be. Would you forgive me on behalf of all the men that have done these things to you, that have held you back from your destiny, your calling, your purpose, and your giftings? Because men lead. Men lead, women lead. Let's do this together, side by side. Will will, Will you forgive me for this, for the sake of mankind? Now, when you forgive me, that means I'm off the hook and you're off the hook, and we're going to go after God and see what He has for us. Okay? Amen. Bless you, ladies. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. And Amen. Where do you want me to go? That was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Good. Yes.
0: Good, 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 good. So, good. Well, you can tell about when Jesus
1: slept. No, you can tell it. No, you tell it. Oh, I think you should tell it. The clock says I'm done. Yeah. And you know me, I'm on the clock.
0: Yeah. I'm the boss of his way.
1: <laughs> that is true. I don't, you, I don't know what you're referring to, though. I don't remember that.
0: When Jesus left. Yeah. And okay, I'll tell it.
1: Yeah, I, I, my, half my brain's working now because I thought I was done, so I've shut down. <laughs> But you look awfully beautiful tonight. I just want to say that. Ladies, a real treat to be with you tonight. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you.
0: I think, was that half the message, Tom? Yeah, maybe. Um, I wanted to add one little thing to it, and I I know it was in his notes. Um, Many of us have memorized a simple scripture because it's the shortest one in the Bible, so that we can say, I memorized a scripture. Do you know which one it is? Jesus wept. In the days that Tom was speaking of, when women were oppressed, um, no one wept in public. And if anyone did weep, it was a woman. And so those two little words, Jesus wept, When he wept in public, what he was saying was, I identify with women. I understand your hearts. I know that you have deep emotion. And as Jesus wept in public like a a woman, he was identifying with us. And so I want to bring some release to emotions. Because we've been taught to relate like a man. And we live in scientific America, you know, where the intellect and where we have to interpret with our intellect. And and God has created us as women with this amazing capacity to be able to have these emotions and the brain (laughs) and um, be so well-rounded. And so Jesus is identifying with us as women. Is that amazing? It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tonight through the sound of Tom's voice and his teaching and as he asked us to forgive him as he stood in that gap as a man and a pastor and a leader and all of those things that he named. As you did that something happened in you and there is release. But now we must step forward into our destiny. Because it's great to hear a new word, but then we must act on it. Otherwise, all we'll become is just more religious. And we don't need more religion. We need the relationship that heart-relators like us, this women, bring to the table. As we walk together, male and female, and create a whole culture of health. And so did you feel God do the work in you? Me too. I want to invite the prayer team to come up. I know it, it is time to go and the kids' classes, the kids are waiting. So prayer team ministers come up. I encourage you, whatever, if you If this message, um, if you need some kind of, um, if you want someone to pray for you, that this message will go in deeper and motivate you to move forward, come and get prayer. If you need healing for anything, any part of your body, God is passing out healing. And so come forward and get prayer for healing. If you Whatever it is you need, I encourage you to come forward tonight and get more. So I know it's time to go. Let's open our hands. Lord Jesus, I'm just amazed at you. (laughs) And I thank you, Lord, that we got a clear picture of you tonight. I thank you that that we know you better now and I thank you for what you did for us as women thank you now Lord what you've done what we've heard Lord make it go down deep inside of us and help us to move forward in anything and everything that you want us to do In the name of Jesus, so be it, so be it, amen.